Who is Brendan Klaus, and why are you listening to this podcast? Stay tuned. Today I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself and why I want you to tune in to Close to Home. You're listening to the Close to Home podcast, the lifestyle and real estate podcast centered in Seattle. I'm Brennan Klaus, and I'm a broker at Avenue Properties. So this is my very first podcast episode, and if you're listening, thank you. You're probably wondering who the heck is this guy and why should I listen to his podcast? What makes this better than anything else I would listen to? And essentially, I know that podcasts are sometimes very intimate, and so what I wanted to do was start with um, intimate and vulnerable. So what I wanted to do is start with being intimate and vulnerable myself and telling the audience a little bit and telling you guys a little bit about myself and why I'm here and why I'm doing this. So my name is Brennan Klaus. I am a real estate broker at Avenue Properties. And I help people in Seattle buy and sell residential real estate. But I wasn't always a real estate broker. So I grew up in Kansas in a very small town. Very, very small. If you, um, A lot of people don't understand what I mean when I say small, but I'm talking about a town about the size of 6,000 people. So very small farming community. Uh, my parents were both educators. And I have three older siblings, so I am the youngest and, uh, by default, the best of them. (laughs) Uh, Just kidding about that. But um, I grew up in Kansas in a really small town, uh, farming community, where there wasn't a whole lot to do. So you had to be pretty creative and think outside the box. Um, Did the normal, typical uh, kid things. But um, I knew... In high school that I didn't want to stay in Kansas. I knew that I wanted to get out to the West Coast. I was involved in a student organization on the national level called FCCLA, or Family Career and Community Leaders of America. And that really pushed my boundaries in high school to get me out there. And I spoke in front of thousands of group, student groups, um, thousands of students. So probably student groups as big as the town I was growing up in, so about five to 6,000 people. That really put me in a position where I could um, go to a great college. So I was lucky enough to apply to Stanford and then get in. And um, when I got into Stanford, I had no idea what I wanted to study. I was very lost and ended up um, spending the first year uh, kind of exploring what I wanted to study. I thought for a long time that I wanted to go into the ethics of neuroscience. I was really drawn to neuroscience as a field and law in practice. Um, and I read a book about all about the technology behind, um, or excuse me, I read a book all about the future of technology and how it will interact with neuroscience. And that got me really interested in the subject. Um, so I ended up going into human biology. So I studied human biology, which at the time was the most popular major at Stanford. Um, and there are a few reasons, I think, looking back on that, that I studied that. One was um, there was a lot of structure around the program. It was easy to jump in. And for an entire year, your coursework was pretty much planned out for you. And two was that it was the most popular. So it was easy to find a cohort of people who really were already in that that field or that path um, and also do what they were doing and have feel like I was surrounded by a community. 
my junior year at Stanford, I applied for an internship at Microsoft and ended up getting that. I think I kind of, what do I tell people? I kind of uh, made them think I was the best fit. Whether I was or not is probably debatable. So I was doing a lot of work as a research assistant at Stanford, so I was helping run a lot of experiments. So I had a good background in A-B testing. And I used that to my advantage in my interview for Microsoft and told them that, you know, I was a great experimenter and knew how to run A-B testing. So that was apparently enough for them to be convinced, and they hired me onto Bing Marketing Analytics, where I spent the summer, that was the summer of 2012, working in the marketing department, and then came back to Microsoft full-time in the... Uh, fall of 2013, and that w- that's what brought me to Seattle. Um, so I've lived in Seattle ever since that time, and from the get-go, I knew that Microsoft was not necessarily the place I wanted to be forever, um, but I stuck there. You know, I do, did a few different roles. My, my last role at Microsoft was on customer experience marketing, which was a really great role where I was basically looking after the customer experience of OneDrive and how we were communicating with our customers across different endpoints. So email, in-app messaging, in-product messaging on the mobile phone, et cetera. And it was a really great experience. Um, it was a really great team to work for. And I learned a lot of business skills being at Microsoft. I would say, you know, within the first two years of Microsoft, I started asking myself, what do I really want to do for the rest of my life? And a lot of that was not related to technology. And I think being at Stanford, there's a there's a inherent culture there around technology and new technology. And every student, rightly so, is thinking about their future startup or their future company. And I didn't feel as passionately about technology as a lot of the people who went there. Um, so I went to Microsoft, but I knew it wasn't forever. And so I started thinking about what else did I want to do? And I knew that I wanted to do something where I was around people more. I knew that I wanted to be more involved in people's lives directly. Microsoft does a lot of great things for humanity, but I really wanted something where I was directly impacting the people that I was working with day to day, as opposed to having a a larger impact for many more people that I didn't know their names. And so I also was thinking about what else I wanted to do, and I, it was really important to me that I was in charge of my own results and, and the outcome of my own efforts, and I knew that I wanted to be my own boss, so I still felt like I had the entrepreneurial spirit that you find at micro, or excuse me, you find at Stanford, but it was, just wasn't related to technology for me. And so... You know, going in, I stayed at Microsoft. I tried to make a few different roles work, but eventually I knew that I, I needed to get out. And I, I was really drawn to interior design at first. I have, I would like to call it an eye for design. Um, whether that's true or not, I, I was really drawn to interior design. And I started working with a mentor um, because I sat, down with, I sat down with a mentor at Microsoft and I said, you know, I love this company, but I don't think it's what I want to do forever. And he said, well, what do you want to do forever? And I talked a lot about interior design and customer service. And he said, well, Brennan, just go do that. And so that really sparked something in me. And so I found a mentor 
in the interior design field, and I worked for, with him for about six months on a few little projects and learned a lot. I primarily learned that in, in interior design, you have to have a portfolio of all of your work, and you probably need more schooling than what I had. A human biology degree wasn't going to cut it for an interior designer. So with that said, my mentor in interior design encouraged me to think about getting my real estate license. And so I went ahead and did that. I, you know, I didn't know what the future would hold. All this time, I'm still at Microsoft, so I'm still working. Um, but I went ahead and got my real estate license. From that point, I just kind of jumped in. I didn't know where it was going to lead or if I was going to leave Microsoft, but I jumped in, I had my license, and I wanted to start trying real estate. Um, so from that point on, I spent my evenings and weekends for about a year and three months uh, working on real estate. While I was still a full-time employee at Microsoft, I led sort of a double age of life. Um, I didn't tell many people at Microsoft that I was doing real estate. I was even hesitant to tell my friends at first. I was scared to tell them. Um, I didn't feel very legitimate about it, um, but it, I knew it was something I wanted to do. And so I started doing it on the evenings and weekends. And um, to this day, I still haven't told some people, either clients or coworkers, that I did both at the same time because I was afraid of what they would think or that they would think I wasn't committed to one or the other. Um, so that's why I felt a little bit like a double agent. <laughs> and um, so once I I started, I kind of took off running and I really enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed real estate. I enjoyed working with customers and I enjoyed working with customers directly and being able to go and look at these houses that are not necessarily always beautiful, but they're houses that people can buy. And from that point on, I knew that I was starting to get into something that was going to be different than Microsoft and was going to be more of a fit for my personality and my long-term goals. Um, and so then I started to plan my exit from Microsoft. And it was a very, very long exit uh, and very painful exit. I remember spending many weeks worrying about how I was still a full-time employee, but it wasn't really what I wanted to do. And I was living this double agent life of going and showing houses on the evenings and the weekends. Um, and I just, I, I felt badly. I felt terrible, actually. Personally and professionally, um, I was lacking a lot of purpose and um, confused about what, what it is that I could tell people or share with people. So all of that said, Eventually, I met my goals and I left Microsoft um, in uh, August of 2017, and I've been doing real estate full-time since then, and so I've been in real estate for about two years total, but a year and three months of that overlapped with, uh, with my time at Microsoft. So now I live in Seattle. I live in the Central District with my dog, Masha, who, um, if you know me, you know my dog's a big part of my life, <laughs> and... Um, I love it there, and I love Seattle as a city, and as I got more and more into real estate, I was thinking about podcasting and why there aren't any podcasts related to our homes. Um, there's some podcasts on investing, and there's some podcasts on you know real estate redevelopment, but there's nothing about the home and how much of our home is our livelihood, and it is who we are. I think one of the biggest things that stuck with me is when a friend told me, 
how much our home reflects our identity. And I think it truly does. When you think about it, there are so many things that are part of your identity, and your home is just one part of that. Um, but it's a reflection of who you are, and it's really where you invite people in to get to know you. Um, you know, my friends can come over and they know immediately the type of person I am, which is a clean freak and <laughs> a dog person, um, just by seeing my home. And I think there's something really intimate about helping people find that space that they call their home and that is their identity or becomes their identity. And so that's why I'm starting this podcast, because I want to talk about those things, about people's experience with their home and, and help people understand what they can do with their home how to buy and sell homes, and how to look for the right neighborhood or how to think about neighborhoods that they might live in. Um, so this isn't just for homeowners. It's for everyone. It's really for the, the, the person who's going to buy a home, the person who already owns a home, or even the, the renter who wants to know about how to make their, their place feel more like home. Um, so on this podcast, my hope is that I will be interviewing quite a few people related to all those topics um, and have them share their stories about their home and what makes it special to them and what, um, what other people can do to make their home feel more like them or how they can buy a home or how they can sell a home or what's important to think about, um, what's going on in the local economy that affects home prices. And where, where should you think about living in terms of neighborhoods? How do you choose a good neighborhood? Um, is it true that the crappiest house on the best street is really the best investment? Those sorts of questions I really want to dig in and explore and learn also about people who have created businesses around the home and what it means to them. So that's what this podcast is all about, and that's why it's called Close to Home. And I hope that you will tune in and enjoy listening and give me some feedback and let me know what topics you want me to cover or if you have ideas of people to interview I'd love to hear all of those so one common thing that you'll hear um, me ask each guest that comes on is what their favorite room in their home is so I'm going to answer it for myself my favorite room at my home is the living room and that's because I don't cook so Side note, you'll never hear me say the kitchen, although I think kitchens are the most beautiful room in the home. It's not my favorite. My favorite is the living room, and that's because I have this huge green couch that you can basically sit back on and your legs can extend fully without touching the ground, so it's really deep. And I love sitting there. I'm a huge TV junkie. And so that is just like my spot to be, and I love being there. Sometimes I can work there, sometimes not, but um, it's my favorite room in the house because it, watching TV is probably my favorite pastime when I'm not working, and I can hang out there with my dog, and it's just super comfy. So that's my favorite room. Anyway, this is Close to Home. I hope that you will continue to tune in. Give us a try. Let me know what you think. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes. And leave me any feedback. I'd love to hear what you guys think and if you think there are topics I should cover. So that's all for now. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Close to Home podcast. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple or wherever you find this podcast. 
If you'd like to contact me, Brennan Klaus, about any of your real estate needs, you can find me at 206-899-9101 or at brennanklaus.com. That's B-R-E-N-N-E-N-C-L-O-U-S-E dot com.